baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 971 FM Talk Podcast. George Shea, appreciate the intro as always. He of the Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest. You hear him every summer. Introduce Joey and the gang. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. We're off and running here for a Thursday edition of the show. It's not half bad weather-wise out there before... It was 50, according yeah, to my car. Before doom and gloom. It's 50, and it's not very windy, and I think that that's important, too. It yeah. felt lovely out there. It did. Uh, my friend John Lynch has been golfing throughout the year. He doesn't work for a living, so he's got to do something. And he's been sending me pictures when I'm on the air in the afternoon. He's a Forest Hills member, and he's playing like every day he seems to be playing. And I said, this means nothing to me if I don't get a picture from Sunday or Monday. On the golf course. I mean, you want to man up and play golf during the winter. You got to do it not when it's 50. You got to do it when it's nine degrees, right? <laughs> I have to agree. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see where that takes us. Um, boy, there's a lot of stuff going on today that we're going to get to. One of the big uh, stories of yesterday, of course, Sue, and this, um, I don't think a lot of people saw this coming at least the timing of it. Mm-hmm. Nick Saban out at Alabama. He's retiring, right? We found out Pete Carroll, another NFL coach at the Seahawks, who is a legendary college and professional football coach. And then Bill Belichick. You know, I talked about this yesterday, yeah, right? You, did. You, you asked about him, yep. and I said, well, he's not going to get fired. And it was sort of one of these, he's moving on. It's with um, just so many fond memories and, and uh, thoughts that I you know, think about the Patriots and, and I'll always be a Patriot. I look forward to coming back here. Uh, but... At this time, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna move on, and um, I look forward, excited for the future. Um, but always very very appreciative of the opportunity here, the support here, uh, and you know the what Robert what you've done for me. God, he's you. talking about Robert Kraft, and I don't think he's referring to the um, you know the nail salon uh, massage parlor or anything <laughs> like that. I think he's talking about just professionally. I just wanted to clear that up Thank there. But you. you know, some people think that Belichick might go to the NFL. There's a part of me that hopes, like a guy like Saban, Belichick, uh, they've been at it so long. Enjoy the rest of your life, right? I know. But it's such but... a part of the fabric of their life they can't give it up. Did you mean that Belichick might go to college? Is that what you're saying? No, he might go to – no, I'm sorry. Yes. I think I was reversing that, obviously. I think there's there's a theory that Saban – might go. Oh, the that's so The brain not working very well, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with either of them. And I do think some people think that he, potentially, Belichick, could go elsewhere in the NFL. It was conflating him with a college coach, and that's what happens when you have all these coaches that are leaving right now. Well, uh, on that front, by the way, we have T.J. Moe coming on today. T.J. played for the Mizzou Tigers wide receiver, went to the NFL for just a little bit. He was on the, um, the Patriots for just a little while, like for three or four months, he injured himself. That's what ended his NFL mm-hmm. career. But he's got some thoughts on that, on the Aaron Rodgers situation with uh, Pat McAfee, et cetera, this afternoon. we got Jonathan Martin coming up from Politico. We're going to preview the um, Iowa caucuses also. And, Fred, you said you watched this. I <laughs> I did not last night. My son came in from Houston today. I had to clean my house. So I spent the night, when I cleaned my house, put my music oh, yeah. on. And I wasn't watching the debates. I didn't want to be in a bad mood. But you watched the town halls last night? Yeah, I watched the Trump on Fox Live, and I taped the CNN 
with Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, then watch that right after it. You know, Trump is just, he's in his element right now. You can't put two sentences together and he's representing us on nuclear weapons with Putin and she. The new narrative they have, as you know, is I'm going to be a dictator. That's going to be the new narrative because a guy like Biden, there's nothing he can run on. I think you look at Joe Biden, it's bedlam. You have a man who can't lead. You have a man who can't find his way off a stage after he makes a speech that lasts for about two minutes. We are going to have the largest deportation effort in the history of our country. Well, I hope he's right about that. That's for sure. You know, I was watching Fox earlier today, touching up my home that I was cleaning. And well, I heard certainly. Ari, I just had a few more things to do. I heard Ari Fleischer say this, and I think he nailed it because you watch, and Fred, you would have this perspective in particular because everything's, not that these issues aren't serious, but there's some levity there with Trump and it's appeal. People feel like he's a little bit more real, right? When you look at Donald Trump on Fox last night and you compare him to, uh, to Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis on another network same night. One of the tricks to winning is you have to come across, make people laugh, be affable, be mm-hmm. funny. Trump mm-hmm. is an entertainer. It is one of the things that always works for him. And I understand the acrimony between Haley and DeSantis. But one of the lessons of winning is a more like Trump, more like George W. Bush, more like Ronald Reagan when you're on stage with humor, jocularity. Show like you're having fun. You can be a good president and have fun. It was so serious and so strident between Haley and DeSantis, it wasn't fun. Watching Trump was fun. I like fun Trump. You know, I don't like mean Trump. And when he gets nasty, and certainly he's getting that way over these prosecutors in the court cases, and I don't blame him for that, but he gets nasty with the rest of the Republican field and people who have worked for him, which is not something I'm a fan of. But I think what Ari Fleischer said there is absolutely spot on. And there's a lot of people that have moved from these other candidates I don't know, and I heard Trump say this. DeSantis is toast. I mean, I don't, I don't know how he survives or why he's not pulling out yesterday like Chris Christie did. I kind of like the way uh, Trump talked about he handled the retribution question. They asked him, you know, is your next term going to be full of retribution? Well, because that's, I think, what Biden has been saying, and they all are—Biden's speech the other day is like, ah, the first day in office, he's going to be a dictator, because he was asked that question, and he was kind of joking. He said, you know, only on the first day, right? I'm not going to have time for retribution. We're going to make this country so successful again. I'm not going to have time for retribution. And, And remember this, our ultimate retribution is success. Fred, I never heard the audio. Yesterday we referred to this audio from Chris Christie because he was caught on the hot mic and he was talking about Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. Did we we ever yep. have the hot yes, mic? Yes, we do. Okay, I've never heard it. So let's yep, here it is. Here it is. Yeah, I mean, look, she spent sixty-eight million so far, just on TV. Spent sixty-eight million so far, fifty-nine million by DeSantis, and we spent twelve. I mean, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment? You know, and she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. DeSantis called me, petrified that I would. He's probably getting out of Iowa. Well, it sounds like he was going to say, DeSantis called me petrified that I was going to throw my support behind Mm -hmm. uh, Nikki, right? That's what it sounded like he was going to say. Now, Trump addressed that last night during his town hall. And, I, you know, he's not wrong here. Chris Christie was... uh, in and uh, he got a hot mic I heard about. I thought actually the bigger story wasn't the fact that he dropped out. Nobody cared too much about that, but he had a hot mic where he was talking to somebody about uh, the weather and he happened to say that she doesn't have what it takes. She'll be creamed in the in the election. And I mean, I know her very well and I happen to believe that Chris Christie's right. That's one of the few things he's been right about, actually. There you go. So there was a little fun factor with Trump last night. Now there's another guy that's running for president. And I want to talk about Vivek again, because I think he's doing a great job handling the media. I've come around on Vivek just a little bit. I, I have problems because 
and maybe this isn't something that's fair in politics because he talks out of both sides of his mouth. But let's face it, they all do. They, they all do, Republican or Democrat. But he is so good, lately he's so good at handling the media. So this was a group of national, and uh, this was in Iowa. So you got people from Iowa, you also have national media people who are following him. So he's in what I guess would be called a bit of a gaggle. And somebody asked a question, so listen to this. This is okay, and uh, I'm just kind of curious on the, the previous question that you yeah. those four things that were provably false. Yes. Were in the, and I'm just kind of curious. I know some of these guys have been following some of you guys. I'm curious if there's any national media who actually believe that they were false. All right, that's a little hard to hear, but what what is that? That's a state rep. And he's there with Vivek. So that guy's not a reporter. And he says, basically, is there is there any media here that has any regrets about and he goes down a list of a variety of stories just by by show of hands. Who here is willing to admit that the Trump Russia collusion hoax was indeed incorrectly reported by the mainstream media? Is there anybody here able to admit that that was incorrect reporting. So that's a little hard to hear, too, but I want to keep this rolling. He goes, well, be one reporter says, it's, it's inappropriate for us to answer that question. We're the reporters. We're the ones that answer questions, right? Why would that be inappropriate? I think it would be inappropriate. What's inappropriate is lying to the public. Yeah. We're, just, we're doing our job. We're doing our job. That's, sorry. <laughs> we're doing our job asking you questions. Sure you are. So did the media report on the set of facts that were provided? So, I, so that's, that's a fair question. So that question, that, and I like Vivek because he, you know, he, he was shooting straight here on this topic. The question that the young female reporter said, well, wait, was it the information that we were given that we were reporting? Because some of this was, of course, coming from the, the Democrats in the White House. I actually think that the public was lied to long after the media systematically still understood that this was the product of the Steele dossier. The Steele dossier was a piece of Russian disinformation provided by the Hillary Clinton campaign that was served up to the federal government as a basis for issuing a FISA warrant to then potentially infiltrate a member of the opposition party. If this was Bush and Cheney doing it to John Kerry, this would have been the stuff of scandal, impeachment and worse. And yet I think it was an intentional lie that the media said that that account, which we now know to be true, was actually the Russian disinformation. You know, it'd be one thing if that was the only story, right? But Vivek's sitting there amongst these reporters thinking, you know what, I have a few more examples here. Let, let me give an easier one. Just by show of hands, does anybody believe the media's reporting about the origin of COVID-19 ran flatly in face of the facts that you have a Wuhan Institute of Virology that was now the likely origin of the COVID-19 pandemic? You all said that it wasn't for a long time. By show of hands... Was the Wuhan lab the likely origin of the COVID-19 pandemic? Everybody, media or not? Well, they didn't want to answer that question. I think he went one more round here. The Hunter Biden laptop. Is the Hunter Biden laptop story, as reported by the New York Post, which was shut down, had the Twitter account locked? This one is the most, I mean, they're all egregious. They But when you think through this one, there was a story that comes across about Hunter Biden's laptop on the eve of the election, essentially. And the New York Post has the information. They print it. And all of a sudden, the White House, the party, uh, they, they go into social media and say, well, you can't spread that story. They shut accounts down that are sharing that story. If that doesn't sound like East Germany with the Stasi, I don't know what does. For 
anybody who is even sharing the story of the Hunter Biden laptop found on the eve of the last election, the media reported that it was Russian disinformation on the eve of that election. Does anyone here agree that the Hunter Biden laptop story, as reported by the New York Post, was indeed accurately reported and was not Russian disinformation, but was in fact a factually owned laptop of Hunter Biden? So this is fascinating because they when they try to answer this and I'll see if I can get this on the mic. Uh, does anybody does everybody else seriously not believe that? I mean, I'm so, that Hunter Biden is suing Rudy Giuliani over the laptop. So that reporter says, well, you know, Hunter Biden is suing Rudy Giuliani over the laptop story. So. So, so you don't believe so you think that it actually was the product of Russian disinformation, as was reported by the media. That was the basis for suppressing this at the time. With the Hunter Biden case, yeah. I'm not sure why we're talking about that. So this is great, too. Uh, I didn't cover the Hunter Biden case. I'm not sure why we're talking about that right now. Has she not paid Seriously? attention? But this is this is what you get. And none of these reporters, by the way, now they're they're covering Vivek, all right? Maybe the more seasoned reporters. Well, that's Jonathan Martin. He's coming up in a few minutes. Maybe they're covering Nikki and, you know, Trump uh, and DeSantis. But there, there's nobody there in that group seemed like a seasoned reporter who would even have the knowledge to comment on some of these stories, which is part of the problem with the media. You got all these people that are young and progressive and they just want to. I mean, I, I have this. I can't even do this because it's so long. But Bill Ackman, who was the guy that ripped Harvard, right? And I I read part of his essay last week. He's a billionaire hedge fund guy. He's got a wife that went to MIT, studied at – I'm sorry, taught at MIT. He's no longer there. But as soon as all this kind of started shaking out last week in the last couple of weeks – this goes back for a few weeks – with – Bill Ackman going after Claudine Gay, Business Insider, which I, I've heard of Business Insider. I don't know why they would have such a axe to grind here. They went after Bill Ackman's wife, Neary, trying to expose plagiarism that she did. And they, But the timeline and the way they approach the story in the emails, he chronicles all this. This is sent to me at this time. They, act, they asked for reaction at this time. You would not believe how biased this reporting is. And Bill Ackman lays it all out, but this is what you get from these reporters on a regular basis. It was election interference on the eve of the last election. And I think there's the same kind of election interference happening this time around. And I think it's happening the early waves of it with respect to the treatment of my candidacy. And I think that that is likely to be a major problem heading into the next year, unless we're able to open and openly and transparently acknowledge the mistakes of the past. I hope that Vivek still has some sort of role moving forward if he's um, likely not going to be the nominee because I think he does bring some things and he handles the media exceptionally well, which I think some of us expected from DeSantis and DeSantis does okay. But I would say Ramaswamy does even a better job. We do have Jonathan Martin coming up from Politico. He is um, one of the sharpest political minds in the country when it comes to analyzing some of these things. So we'll talk to him about all kinds of stuff, including the Hunter Biden appearance on Capitol Hill yesterday and what's happening in Iowa. We have an interesting story this afternoon. Did you see the story, Sue, about Metro and the buses pulling the advertising from the sides um, of the yeah, buses? Yes, here's the thing. They think, oh, it'll be aesthetically pleasing. You people are not making money. Just keep the signs up so that uh, you can have. I don't understand I, this I don't understand at all. It either. I, re- I really don't. So I have that. I have a really interesting situation in Canada that will make us all feel better that we live south of that particular Besides border. Besides the weather, I'm well, in. yeah, it, this is this is crazy. Some of the stuff I see from Canada, I'm like, really? That's Canada? It, wow. it seems like the aforementioned East Germany. We'll get to that. We have um, Sue's news in the next hour. I want to talk about. 
Fargo, because I watched this week's episode of Fargo, and it was mind-blowingly good. So I'll put Ooh. that into perspective. Mike Boss from Illinois, he was down to the border with a group of lawmakers. You might have heard about that, 60-plus lawmakers. T.J. Moe coming up this afternoon. Who am I missing? Andrew Bailey, who was there at the Mayorkas hearing to impeach him. The Attorney General of Missouri is coming up as well. Plus, an audio cut of the day. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I need the audience, and Sue, I would include you in this too. You need to make sure that you carve out some time on Wednesday, next week. Wednesday? The 17th, right. Wednesday afternoon. Be listening to this show. Not that you wouldn't ordinarily. I think you're here with me. Yeah, that's a good typically. point. Typically. Yeah. But that's the day. This is pretty big. I mean, we've had these town halls, you know, Trump and DeSantis and Haley, and we um, we see all the attention for that. But next week, oh, I don't, the excitement here is just really incredible. Kamala Harris is going to go on The View on Wednesday. And you know that that's going to be good, right? You know right? what? We're all going to get some cackling. <laughs> I feel pretty good about that. That was like the first response on X Formerly Twitter earlier was today it? because someone said there is a lot of cackling that's going on. <laughs> a friend of mine that was up in Milwaukee. Jonathan Martin is here with us. He is an outstanding reporter for Politico. Back with us to kind of handicap some of the things happening out there. I don't know if you're going to be in the View studio next week with the Vice President, Jonathan, but Happy New Year. How are you? Hey, uh, I'll probably be somewhere colder either iowa or new hampshire i'm sitting in des moines right now and it's in the 20s but the forecast is pretty daunting even by midwest standards i think it's going to be down to negative five by sunday so, so everybody i bring that up to says ah, i was used to that these people they're still going to go out on monday what's your right. sense being there right now oh i think it will depress turnout yeah. i think if you've got intense winds negative temperatures and snow drifts on the ground, even with hardy Midwesterners, I think it's going to depress turnout. Um, here's why. I think the casual voter, and yes, there are some casual voters who show up for caucuses who aren't political junkies. I just think it's too much of a hassle. You know, is there going to be parking? What's the walk over like? Uh, where do I have to go? It's so cold. Maybe I'll just stay in, right? And so... It's human nature. Uh, just talking, yeah. talking to people here on the ground, even, you know, Republican um, local folks who are big boosters to the caucuses, you know, they'll concede that the turnout is going to be cut by this. Well, what's the landscape like right now from your perspective? Are you feeling any undercurrents that might put this in a different direction than we all expect it to be in, which is kind of a blowout by Trump? I mean, I think the question is the margin, you know, uh is it 15? Is it, you know, 10? Is it 30? I, and I think that that's significant. The Trump folks, I can tell you, are trying to do a lowball strategy, and they have told Trump uh, personally that he should be talking about a record-breaking margin. Now, what that refers to is the biggest margin a Republican has had here, which was 12 points, which I think was Dole in 96. And I, so the Trump folks are setting the bar pretty low by trying to make a 12-point margin the floor. I can tell you they expect to win by a lot more than that, but that's their public talking point. Does this Chris Christie thing yesterday, this has yes. no effect, does it? 
I think it could at the margins. If I was Nikki Haley and I was talking to pragmatic Iowa voters who want to stop Trump, and there, there's obviously plenty of those, uh, I would say you can't waste your vote on DeSantis because – the, the fact is, is that I'm the one that's going to have the cleanest shot at Trump, and I'm going to have it in New Hampshire if you ensure that I'm second here, not third, because then Ron will get out of the race. That's a bit of a process argument, but for the pragmatic voter in Iowa, they get that. And I think the question to me is, in three days, can she make that case? Um, and get get some voters to ensure she gets us, you know, a solid enough second that he drops out. Well, so then you go from Iowa. And we, you mentioned Bob Dole. I find that interesting because obviously he was the nominee that year, didn't right. do, do yep. very well. But yep. then we move on to New Hampshire, and then yep. th- does that change anything? I mean, you you have a very short window here to send the trajectory of this campaign on the Republican side into a different dimension. And the window is narrowing, Jonathan. We've been talking about this for a long time, and here we are. Yeah, Yeah, I think New Hampshire is a bit of an outlier for Republicans for two big reasons. One, it's higher income, and two, independents can play. 35 to 40 percent of the New Hampshire primary is going to be non-Republicans. It's going to be independents and some Democrats because they can vote there. When you add that with a demography, just a higher income state, that's a much better environment for Nikki Haley. So that's going to be her best opportunity to draw blood from Trump. The question is, does that mean that she loses by seven or could she actually beat him there? And I think that's a significant difference. So um, New Hampshire is... The 23rd? Am I getting that right? That's a yeah. Tuesday in a couple of weeks, right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. Iowa's this Monday. New Hampshire's following. So then what after that? What are we looking at right after that? Well, then it's a bit more complicated because there is a contest in Nevada, but it, it's been bungled for reasons I won't bore your listeners with. The big showdown. Look, if Nikki loses to Trump in New Hampshire by single digits, and certainly if it's five or less, all right? Then it's Armageddon in South Carolina because she will raise a zillion dollars overnight from every Republican donor who wants to beat Trump, and she will have endless, endless money to play with in a month-long contest in South Carolina, which because the primary there is until February 21st, I think, all right, or 23rd maybe. And that's like Bush McCain, the sequel. Your listeners will recall the sort of famous Bush McCain primary in South Carolina in 2000. And I think that would be her chance if if you're going to stop a fast Trump nomination. She's got to beat him in her home state. And so that would be all the marbles there, I think, in South Carolina. You know, I, I, I talked a little bit in the monologue. Jonathan Martin from Politico is here about Vivek. I've always felt like, and I said this at the beginning, Vivek sort of speaks out of both sides of his mouth sometimes. But then I think about it, and I'm like, well, they all do, really. And I look at these numbers. They may be a little outdated. Vivek has been to 192 campaign events uh, at least through the end of the year, more now, in um, Iowa. DeSantis, 49. Nikki Haley, 35. Asa Hutchinson, 19. Donald Trump, 17. Chris Christie, 0. Vivek, though, is still obviously way, way behind in the poll. Is he having any yeah. impact? Not much. You know, if you go to his events, what's interesting, you'll find Trump supporters there. And they're just kind of there for the show. Um, there's an element of kind of political entertainment to it. And, look, he's going to be for Trump. It's just a matter of when. Um, The big question to me in Iowa is, 
two and three. It's what I call kind of the JV, the JV contest before the varsity, right? It's that DeSantis versus Haley sub sub primary. And, you know, I think she probably outdraws him, but how much is it? And is it significant enough where uh, he's got to drop out of the race that night or the next day? That's the tradition here. I mean, Iowa traditionally winnows candidates. Now, we're in a different primary this time around where a lot of the candidates have already dropped out before Iowa even happens. But that'll be the big question because then if he's gone, she can get a pure head-to-head against Trump in New Hampshire. Do you sense when you talk to voters, Jonathan, you know, I I think it's pretty clear that we've seen a lot of people and and this is anecdotal, but I I think I even told you this over the summer. We went to the baseball game. I had a lot of callers a year ago. They were on the DeSantis train. They're ready to move away from Trump. They say, you know, the behavior, we can't deal with the behavior. Well, then he starts getting indicted for ridiculous reasons. And then this Colorado decision comes out. And I, I think that in particular for people paying attention has really hacked them off and made them maybe drift back to Trump. Do you sense that the Colorado case and the main secretary of state is having any impact? Yeah, I mean, I would put the, the Trump voters in two buckets. I, the, the kind of dead-enders, uh, tomorrow and old Donald Rumsfeld term, who are you know, MAGA from day one. Look, you know, they don't care about any of that stuff. They're for Trump regardless. But I do think that there's a smaller block of Trump voters who may have flirted with the DeSantis or may have just been on the fence, period, who I do think have come back to Trump because they do feel like he's being a railroad. There's no question about that. Uh, and I think that all of this stuff in the Republican primary is a boon to him, and he's taken advantage of it smartly. He's, they're coming after me. They, they don't like me because they, they don't like you. Uh, don't let them get away with it. That is, a, that is potent stuff for Trump. There's no question about it. And I think that, that you know, that probably ensures that he, he's tough to beat. Uh, Nikki Haley, even if she gets a head-to-head race in New Hampshire, is she still going to have a problem when the race turns back to more conservative, more working-class states like South Carolina, where he's just going to have a, a really strong, strong operation in South Carolina and beyond he being Trump? And I think that this, this just comes down to he, he's just going to have more supporters than, than the kind of old guard of the party, yeah. you know? You know, I've only been to the Iowa caucuses one time. It was in um, 2008. And I'll tell you what, it was crazy just from this perspective, sitting in the hotel and watching television because every damn commercial and then some is focused on Uh, these campaigns, right? Yeah, no, it's fun. It's a little different this time because, first of all, there's only one party competing here. And second of all, obviously, for all the reasons that we're discussing today, it's not quite the race of years past. It's a bit of a coronation. Everybody kind of gets that. So there's, there's less drama. Uh, but it's still, it's still a neat process, and the Iowans are, are just great folks to talk to because they take it so seriously. Well, let's see what happens next week. I mean, you got a, you got a caucus, right? We'll see if the weather interferes. And I hope, Jonathan Martin, yeah. that you have Bernie Sanders' gloves to keep you warm up there. How does that sound? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need more than that. I'm going to need are. layers. I mean, this is going to be this is going to be intense, even by Midwestern standards. But let's see how this thing goes yeah. on Monday. Let's see if is Nikki in second, and if so, what does that mean for DeSantis? And then you know we're on to New Hampshire, and um, it's going to be you know, fun. We'll see if Trump's vulnerable at all. Yep. Jonathan Martin, always great to have you on. I appreciate you. You stay safe and warm. Yeah.
Thank you. All right, we'll see you. I sit next to a computer every day, actually about five computers, including um, Sue's computer, but I bring it up because the computer that I use for all the audio <laughs> has Sue's news audio on it. And I noticed that today, Sue, it's got your name next to a lot of it. Yeah, we are doing a music thing today. I thought you might enjoy it. I do love music things, so I look forward to that very much. That'll come after uh, 4 o'clock, right around 4 13 or so. Can I be more specific? Sometimes uh, 412, sometimes 414, sure, right? You sure. just don't know. That's coming up in the next hour. Also, Congressman Mike Boss from Illinois, he went to the border right after the first of the year. We'll talk about Hunter Biden and several other things. Andrew Bailey, the Attorney General of Missouri, after 5 o'clock. And I mentioned I'm really looking forward to catching up with T.J. Mo, former Mizzou and Rams, and he played for Bill Belichick at the Patriots for just uh, a little bit. And Belichick I don't know if he retired. We can't really say he retired. They parted they ways. They parted ways. Yeah, they have yes. parted ways with the Patriots. Uh, he contributes to Jason Whitlock's podcast and show Fearless on Blaze TV. And we'll have something to say, I'm pretty sure, about Pat McAfee and Aaron Rodgers as well. Th- this is just, I want to lead into something here. This is a random clip. Sometimes Fred puts things into the aforementioned audio computer that I really don't know the context of, but I think that I can just extract from this anyway. This is Chris Matthews making a stupid comment. Election's going to be close. And it's going to be very close in a place like Pennsylvania. And you're going to have rural people out there voting their craziness about the cult. So you better be there to match them. And you got to be there to vote against that. And I'm telling you, this is really important that you vote for your rights. Oh, I want to I want to encourage Chris and other Democrats to keep going down the deplorable route. You know, just because you live in rural America. And I've advocated for this for a long time. I don't understand and I do understand because, you know, they want to be dishonest with the American people. It would be awesome if uh, CNBC and Chris Matthews or MSNBC or the New York Times or anyone would plop down in the middle of Missouri. Let's come to Howard County near Fayette and Harrisburg where I hunt. Meet some of the people out there that there go. may vote for Trump. Maybe they won't. But find out what their lives are all about and what they're worried about with the nonsense that comes out of Washington, right? There's because they idea. have concerns just like the rest of the people who live in cities who are so much more smarter than just rural America. Just location, of course. Right. Yeah, it, that automatically makes you – it makes no sense. It, I love it when it comes to the um, the people that want to talk about climate change related to your vehicle and EVs and everything, because I think they think that everyone... Now, do some people have big trucks and SUVs because they want a big truck Work. and SUV and they don't really have any reason for it? Probably, sure. But some people have trucks because they put things in trucks, they haul things, yes. they pull boats to fish, all these things, right? You can't really do that in a Prius. No. And there are people in California and New York that don't see that there are cultural differences that they want They want us to be acceptance of their pronouns, Right. Oh man, if you if you get the pronouns wrong, that that's a violation. Should be a violation of federal law some people think, but there's no respect for people who have different lifestyles. Now, thank God, you know, this is interesting to me Sue, and maybe I'm an outlier on this, but everyone has it seems their ethnic culture, right? Do you have an ethnic culture? I, not that I'm aware yeah, of. Yeah, I don't really either. That's the thing. Like, so there's Italian-Americans, there's, you know, Hispanic-Americans, there's uh, Russian. Oh, everybody's got their cultures, right? African-Americans have their culture. Mm. And they like to mock, uh, a lot of people like to mock white people's culture. I just know this about my culture, because I don't really have any strong ties to ethnicity that I'm aware of. I, I don't really have any allegiance to that, right? So my culture is freedom. And mm-hmm. the appreciation of freedom in this country, which I don't think Chris Matthews and others really appreciate. No, now, I want to compare this. This is stunning to me. I found this today, and honestly, I didn't even think it was real. 
But you have a ring camera, right? Uh-huh. Well, you, I have a fake one. Yeah, fake, cheap. but it doesn't matter. Same thing, though, yes. right? It's a, you could sit here on your computer. You could see people. Yeah. If you wanted to, if someone was a porch pilot, pirate, sorry, uh-huh. not a pilot, that's something different. If, if they're a porch pirate and they grab your um, your stuff from your porch and you wanted to put that on the Twitter, you could do that. I right? could. Yeah, you could do that. In Canada, it's against the law. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding Based you. on what? What well, does it say? Here, listen am to I this. Am I violating the rights of criminals? Well, essentially, I think you've called it down here. Yes, you you are. Police are urging Quebecers to not post those clips online because they say there could be a case for defamation. You cannot post the images yourself because you have to remember that in Canada, we have a presumption of innocence. And posting that picture could be a violation of private life. Instead, he says if anything is stolen, call 911. If you get some proof that somebody might have stolen something, then call the police give the proof to the police, and then we'll do the, the investigation. We're br- we'll bring that person to justice, and we'll file some charges. Oh, yeah. Wait if, a minute. If you have some proof, you mean like the video well, I'm hey, about to post you, because I you. have proof Where's of the people bell? that stole the stuff? I yes. think it's over here. Oh, thank you. Yes. Here, you better take your bell back. That That is... Uh, now exactly, we've seen... Mark. How is it defamation if you've got them on video stealing? It's insane. And the more I find out, and I love, I'd love to go to Australia someday just to visit, but I'm afraid that I'll be stuck there and locked in some cell because of some ridiculous violation like they had during COVID. Canada did the same thing. You remember the trucker's strike from That's a couple right. of years ago, too? I mean, some of the things. Now, listen to this. This is very different than America. You wonder why we have the Second Amendment? You can't even use a gun. Let's say you have a gun, all right? I'm going to talk about Fargo after the top of the hour because I want to address that a little bit in the episode from this week. And if you're in Canada and somehow someone's coming to get you, a bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say that you're you're in rural Canada and you have a rifle for hunting or a shotgun. Okay. If somebody has a gun and they point it at you, Sue, and you decide to protect yourself, that's not legal what? in Canada. Here's Pierre Trudeau. No, you can't do that. Guns can be used for hunting or for sport shooting in Canada, and there's lots of gun owners, and they're mostly law-respecting and, and, and law-abiding. But you can't use a gun for self-protection in Canada. That's not a right that you have in the Constitution or anywhere else. If you try and buy a gun and say it's for self-protection, no, you don't get that. You get it for hunting. You can get it for sport shooting. Take it to the range. uh, No problem, as long as you go through our rigorous background checks. Mm -hmm. But there's a difference around the culture. And one of the things that we're seeing with the debate in the States is you get more and more of the American-style, you know, right-to-carry, self-defense arguments filtering up through through the uh, you know the, the usual more right wing communications channels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay, Pierre. Yeah, that's because we want to have the right to defend ourselves if someone's coming after us. What I mean, are we it, supposed to do? I have no idea. This it's just amazing how, you know, we're we're supposed to be held up to this standard like the rest of the world. The rest of the world is way behind what we do in this country when it comes to rights and freedoms. And that's the part I think where where young people are really being left out because they don't have the proper perspective on all of the things that they're allowed to do with their iPhones and their tablets and their gaming and all of those things. You could live in a country where, you know, you love your, um, what's one of those things that my kids always played in the basement with the video games and stuff. Oh, yeah. Think of one of those big name, uh, you know what I'm talking about, where you're, What's the damn thing with Grand Theft Auto? Okay. That's the one I was trying to think of. Okay. Uh, you, there's countries you can't even, you know, the media's filtered so much where you couldn't even have access to something like that for recreation. Wow. I just thought that the um, that bite from Canada about not allowing people to post images because of some sort of presumption of innocence. By the way, we have that in this country, too, but it only applies 
I think people do get this mangled. That applies to juries. Right. There's no, I don't have to have as a media member, I try to do it in fairness to people, but there's no presumption of innocence that I am by law or constitutionally, or that you are by law or constitutionally required to have. If you're on a jury, the law applies to you. Then you have to have a presumption of innocence. But, boy, there are big country differences between Canada and Mexico. We're going to learn some things here this afternoon about Mexico in particular from Mike Bost, who's just back from a trip to the border, and he's coming up here in the next hour. In fact, let me kind of promote to that. I mentioned Fargo. I do want to talk about that. I also, as we started the hour yesterday, Sue, you might remember Chris Christie was making his announcement about withdrawing from the race. And we went to some of that audio, and then I kind of pulled back on it very quickly. I had a listener that reacted to my editorial decision, and I do want to address that. Then we'll get with Com, well, with you, Sue's News. Congressman Boss is coming up. After that, Andrew Bailey. I find this interesting. This is a bit of an undercovered story in the news cycle this week because of everything else that's been happening, and I don't think many people know that there is an impeachment hearing right now for Alexander Mayorkas, um, the Department of Home and Health Security, or I'm sorry, HHS secretary because of what he's done on the border and his absolute lack of attention to that. And Andrew Bailey, our attorney general, actually was part of that testimony yesterday. He's going to fill us in after five o'clock. I mentioned TJ Moe, who used to play for the Tigers. He's coming up as well here this afternoon. And an audio cut of the day, a bunch of stuff to fill with uh, for audio cut of the day as well. So that's all coming up. Don't forget also tomorrow, we do have a Reardon Roundtable. Our first... um, Full week of the year, but our second roundtable, Jane will be here. Probably sad about Nick Saban because her daughter goes to Alabama. I'm sure we're going to hear about that. Tim Fitch, former St. Louis County Council member and former St. Louis County Police Chief John Gaskin on the panel tomorrow as well. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.